What's good? It's your boy, Donnie Marks Out. I am here with the gym rat, and together we are the hosts of the Marky Mark Out Show. And together we are your WWE World Podcast Champions. Welcome to episode two. Before the first verse gets started and we we br- we breach the uh, fair use guidelines, let's go ahead and get started. Jimrat, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Excellent, uh, excellent to be back. Episode two. Let's get it going, man. We are on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com/slash The Marky Markout Show. We are now on iTunes. We should be indexed there very soon. So subscribe, leave us a five star review, and just join us on our adventures in professional wrestling. Let's go ahead and get started, as always, with the news. All right, so nothing quite as scintillating as last week's report that Brock Lesnar was going back to the UFC, but we've got some good stuff this week. Gawker filed for bankruptcy because of the Hulk Hogan lawsuit. Let's go ahead and take a quick listen to Roger Yu's story from the USA Today. It's looking like Gawker Media's days are numbered. The company that owns the snarky news site is looking to sell its online news websites after a fire for bankruptcy Friday. Gawker also publishes sports blog Deadspin, the tech news blog Gizmodo, Lifehacker, and other sites. Gawker was driven to bankruptcy because he was ordered by a court earlier this year to pay up to $140 million to former professional wrestler Hulk Hogan. Hogan, whose real name is Terry Balia, Sue Gawker after Gawker posted a video of him having sex with his former best friend's wife. Hogan argued that it was a violation of his privacy. A Florida jury awarded him about $140 million. Apparently, Gawker does not have enough cash and assets to pay for the claim, and it'll now look to sell the assets and through the bankruptcy court. One potential buyer has already merged. Ziff Davis, which owns online sites Ask Men and PC Mag, has placed a $100 million opening price bid for an auction uh, that will be supervised by the court. So that's Roger Yu's story in USA Today. And good God, I know that Hogan always goes over, but this is just a story about one piece of shit winning a battle against another piece of shit. Good riddance to Gawker, I say. Jim Rat, how are you feeling about Gawker filing bankruptcy, which is essentially their protecting their website from having to seize or give their assets over to Hulk Hogan. So it's basically just a move to buy them more time so that they can find a buyer for their website. So most likely it's not going away, but in general, what do you think about this whole scandal? This is, this is hysterical because it's Hogan. So like just to review how things have gone from Hogan's standpoint, he bones his ex best friend's wife. So that happens. Yes. Then, then they they uh, send out the tape. So he gets press in his sixties for a sex tape. <laughs> I mean, honestly, 
to me, that's that's a positive. I don't think there's any negativity about that. You're getting pressed for a sex tape that you're doing while you're in your your mid sixties, really. I mean, this is like he's an old bag of bones here. And then he wins a shit ton of money and then puts the company out of business. So like you throw in a little racism here and there, uh, which kind of knocked Hogan down. But from this specific scandal, it couldn't have gone any better for Hogan. I mean, he got some solid press, uh, got put in the news again, makes a couple hundred million dollars or whatever it was, and puts these idiots uh, out of business. So, you know, Hogan just turned heel again. Uh, and, I mean, it was an impressive move and almost as impressive as his NWO turn. I thought it was, I think this is hysterical. Do you think that there's any chance right now, even with like WWE trying really hard to stay positive in the press, and they've they've done a pretty good job over the last few years, that's for sure, and they're taking any opportunity that they can, whether it's with Enzo's near uh, injury or Daniel Bryan's concussion-related retirement. Stephanie McMahon recently said that PR campaigns are the future of philanthropy, and they've pretty much stuck to that, you know, for the last few years. And it kind of makes me not trust everything that comes out of the WWE. So regarding Hogan and, and his racist tirade, what do you think the chances are in the next, I don't know, say five years that there's a reunion? I think it's undoubtedly Hogan will be back in a WWE ring in some capacity at some point. Uh, I think five years is probably like the over-under. I would say that that, is, that gives a, a little bit of a window. I like five, six years. By six years, I think there's no doubt that Hogan makes an appearance, comes out in his Hulkamania, people go crazy, whatever. It's America. We love to forgive and forget. Um, but I think the over-under is probably right about five years. So I think, I think that's interesting. I would probably take the over. Uh, I think that they're probably going to try and stay as far away from Hogan for a while. Uh, but I think five five years from now, six years from now, uh, Hogan will definitely be back in the WWE, no doubt. Yeah, that's it'll be interesting to see how much money he actually ends up making from this lawsuit because I, I can't even see this ending any time in the next five years. I think this is going to be a really, really long legal battle. And even though I, I can't say that I'm rooting for Hulk Hogan, I'm certainly it's it's kind of like the lesser of two evils. I'm gonna put all of my support behind him, especially because I just found out that um his entire campaign, his entire uh, defense was funded by the uh, CEO that Gawker outed publicly for absolutely no reason at all, other than just to you know fuck with somebody. So good riddance, Gawker. Hopefully it's bought by somebody that has the foresight to actually change the way that they do things because the site is just cringe. Absolute cringe. All right, so this report came in from Blake Ostriker from Forbes.com reporting. I'm going to paraphrase this. The uh, The information came from ProWrestling.net and Dave Meltzer as well um, from the Wrestling Observer. So according to ProWrestling.net, SmackDown announcer Jerry Lawler recently suggested that both Raw and SmackDown will host their own pay-per-views once a month, meaning two total, with the exception being the big four shows. The Wrestling Observer's Dave Meltzer also revealed that this is indeed the plan, that it will begin in September, and that it hints that there will also be a second world title added. 
Can you say overkill? One of the biggest problems with WWE these days is that in a world where many people prefer things to be short and sweet, there is far too much WWE content for even the most passionate fans to consume on a daily basis. During the average WWE week, there is a three-hour episode of Raw, a two-hour episode of SmackDown, and a one-hour episode of NXT. During pay-per-view weeks, throw in another three-hour pay-per-view, or four hours in the case of a pay-per-view like SummerSlam, plus a one-hour pre-show. Consider now that SmackDown will be going live on Tuesday nights, which is not only going to guarantee that the length will be extended of that show, but condense the typical WWE week to a three-day span with Raw, SmackDown, and NXT airing on consecutive nights from Monday through Wednesday. On pay-per-view weeks, that means WWE is asking its fans to watch roughly 10 hours of WWE content in a span of just over 72 hours. Jim Rat, what do you think about the report that when this brand split happens, they're going to have, starting in September, two pay-per-views per month for each brand? I mean, I think I think that the WWE is looking towards the future, which is getting away from network television. Uh, and I think that having the WWE network and starting this process a little bit earlier, uh, where you can stream and you can you can have the shows that you want uh, when you want them, how you want them on your network, uh, I think it can make sense as far as the amount of content that WWE is going to put out there. It is absolutely overkill. Uh, I'll tell you right now, if they have SmackDown, Raw, and two pay-per-views each, honestly, I'll probably just watch the pay-per-views, and I'm not going to watch the 15 hours uh, a week or whatever it is of Raw and SmackDown, because that's just that's insane. I love wrestling, but I do not love it that much. I got enough stuff to do. Uh, and frankly, you can probably just read about it and figure out what's going on, uh, and things don't change drastically enough in wwe anyways uh, so from month to month if you're following those pay-per-views you're probably in pretty good shape as an average fan uh i don't see how smackdown necessarily survives i mean smackdown has never necess- has never been a huge component to wwe television it hasn't been a massive ratings kind of show uh obviously you know if it's on upn and there everybody else is there's like 11 people in the country watching any other UPN show. It's the highest one. But uh, being on USA now, I'm interested to see how that how that goes. I think I think you're absolutely right. There's too much content, and as a fan, do I need to watch every single thing to know what's happening and follow you know some of my favorite wrestlers? Or if I get two pay per views a month, am I pretty good? My reaction is two pay per views a month, and I get I feel pretty good. I can follow the storylines. And have a pretty decent idea of what's going on overall. Yeah, it, it's pretty interesting. I saw a report recently. A lot of people have also been criticizing the company for continuing to have these three-hour-long RAWs. That's been a pretty much a constant complaint since it switched to a consistent three-hour RAWs. I don't personally mind it, but I'm just imagining five hours, you know, disregarding NXT, just five hours of of of, of main roster content per week and that's a lot that's asking a lot of of all the fans but if they can successfully create storylines on both shows that really take advantage of the rosters and they 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 create a show in smackdown that becomes must watch tv i think that it you know it may be a cool thing to tune into on a regular basis but we'll see um but i think you're right definitely with your point that 
they're looking ahead to the future. And although the company makes, you know, millions and millions of dollars in ad revenue for the, the two shows, do you think that there's ever a chance? Cause, cause what I see happening at some point, all of these cable channels are going to, you know, go away from their, the traditional model of, of, of buying cable packages on DirecTV and Comcast and things like that. And eventually it's just going to be like, buy your own a la carte channels and it's already happening. And I think WWE has been really ahead of the curve with this network and the, and, and this push for getting subscribers. And there's a few major cable networks, you know, networks like HBO and, and some other big ones that haven't made that jump yet. So they're certainly ahead of the curve, but do you think there's ever a, a, a time in the future where you can see WWE putting all of their content just on their network and just hosting everything, like not even like on USA, just completely everything on the network? Can you see that happening? Definitely. I, I don't I don't see how that's not the absolute plan. Uh, I mean, USA Network is a second-rate network uh, behind a whole bunch of, of um, television programming and Monday Night Raw is obviously a cornerstone for their network. Uh, Vince McMahon gets a lot of money for having it on, on there, but at some point, you're absolutely right, the, the culture of America, the culture in the world will be to turn to a live stream um, uh, much more than it would be to have a cable company uh, come in. So I wouldn't be investing in Cox Communications anytime soon. Uh, Comcast would not be, you know, the next one that, that I throw money down at. Uh, so, but, but having said that, going back to one of your points that you had made was, you know, if they can make some storylines make sense uh, and give some characters, you know, some time. I definitely agree with that in theory, but that's also what we said when Raw went from two hours to three hours. And in my opinion, that's true, we've yeah. just got basically an hour of shit that happens in Raw. They're, they haven't really developed anyone necessarily. Uh, the storylines are, are not something that, that fans generally are very interested in. So now you're going to add an entire new show on top of that and a new pay-per-view. Uh, I'm seeing the possibility for some pretty crappy moments of wrestling uh, throughout the weeks and throughout the months. There was actually a report last week that uh, actually it was this week that the WWE is reaching out right now to a lot of former talents to kind of fill out their rosters for raw and SmackDown when they do this brand split. Cause it sounds like they're going to have complete separate storylines for each brand. So they'll have raw and raw will have its pay-per-view. They'll have SmackDown. SmackDown will have its pay-per-view and knowing WWE, this may last all of, you know, nine to 12 months, and then they could be back to where they are now in, in a year or two's time. Who knows? It's the WWE. They sort of change depending on a lot of different financial factors. But if there is one former talent or two or three or whatever, just can you imagine what talents they might actually successfully bring back for this uh, brand split? If you are telling me that there's a chance that I see Savio Vega on <laughs> WWE television, we are in great shape. The world is turning turning a corner. I'd love to see Savio Vega back in the WWE where he belongs. Bring back Tatanka. <laughs> Tatanka. <laughs> 
yeah the, i i don't know what that nece- that report necessarily means but but we'll see um because you know it's become like an inside joke just now for with wrestling fans online of of the the consistent reports of like Shelton Benjamin and Carlito and all these guys every single year it's like they're coming back imagine, can you just imagine Triple H picking up the phone and saying you know what I got two phone calls I'm gonna make I gotta touch base with Buff Bagwell and Scott Steiner let's oh, see God. what they're up to. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's uh there was a rumor recently that Crime Time is making a comeback and and I I believe it. I think Crime Time's coming back to SmackDown when it when the, when they do the brand split. I'm I'm game with that. I I did you speaking about Buff Bagwell, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. Did you know that he is or was currently serving as a gigolo? He's in the gigolo game now. <laughs> I did hear that, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to really think of that, <laughs> but uh it somehow doesn't surprise me at all. No, Buffs in the Jiggle game. Interesting. <laughs> so I have a funny story for you. I'd love to hear it. So last week on Thursday, I went to a, a local hardcore show. So it's a, a live music story. I went to see this, this uh, lineup of about five hardcore bands. Three of the bands were local hardcore and metal bands. And then two of the bands were touring nationally. One was from Durham, North Carolina and the other was from St. Paul, Minnesota, I believe. And every band was pretty good. Um, but the third band that performed, one of the local bands, something happened that was by far one of the most awkward things in a funny way I've ever seen in a live show. So the venue was like fairly small, probably has a capacity of about 250 people, and that would be absolutely packed the average show there probably has about 50 to 75 people. And if it's a really good night, like a hundred to 150. And on this night with the metal scene, not particularly strong in our area. It was one of those shows where like there's five bands playing and it looks like there's a big crowd because there's like 40 people there. But then you realize that every single person there is just another band waiting for their set time and so it's actually kind of sad because literally no one is there to see them i was there to see them and i was one of probably about three other people there that were not playing music so the third band takes the stage they play their set it's like a 30 minute set they're a solid band like like absolutely crushed it there were about three people there that were super fans they were absolutely going (laughs) ape shit for their set. <laughs> and I could tell that they knew the band. They were clearly friends or if, if not friends, they were at least they, they knew the band and they, they, they followed the band to this show. The band is like, I think all based within ha- half an hour around us. So anyway, so they get to the end of their set. They're on a one foot riser like as far as the stage. So it's not like a huge dramatic stage or anything like that. It's like 12 inches off the ground. And at the end of their set, the bass player, he just looks out into the crowd, throws his pick, like as if like he's throwing a memento into the crowd. (laughs) He pulls that move. He throws his pick into the crowd, (laughs) but nobody sees it. Like nobody sees the pick fall down the ground. So he waits until he makes eye contact with one of the super fans. And he goes, hey, I I threw my pick into the crowd. 
There's like three people there. <laughs> so the guy, the super fan, he puts the, the light of his phone on and starts searching for it for like 30 seconds. He's like walking around the venue, like looking for this pick. And then he finds it. He picks it up and he goes, I swear to God, he, his actual quote is, he goes, golly, I found it. And he puts it in his pocket. <laughs> Never in my life have I seen a musician with that much confidence on stage. I mean, there, he was performing in front of three people and he pulled the, I'm going to throw my pick into the crowd as a memento. Well, it's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. It was kind of awesome, actually. Now that I think hey, about you're it. You're going to want this pick. <laughs> you're going to want this. It's out there somewhere for you. I'd have been like, hey, dude, you mind just giving me another pick? Like, I mean, sure, I'll wear a necklace or something, whatever you need. I'm a super fan, but I don't want to go uh, slumming around on these sticky floors. Oh, just give me a pick. It's cool. Yeah, one of the one of the most amazing power moves I've ever seen a musician throw on stage. It was it was awesome. Okay, so let's talk raw. So this week we had New Day open the show. They got a massive pop as they have been for like the last year. And uh, they came out to the ring and immediately gave Kofi Kingston shit for wearing the Chef Curry 2s, which was pretty funny. They were then interrupted by Enzo and Big Cass, who also got a massive pop. They came to the ring. They clowned on Kofi's shoes as well. And then they proceeded to slut shame and sexualize Francesca the trombone. Um, eventually, they were interrupted by the villains, or should I say the Brooklyn bartenders, and then the segment ended with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson coming down for a match. What did you think about this segment? Yeah, it's all right. Look, the New Day and Enzo and Cass are the two two of the hottest things going on in wrestling right now. Uh, and like you said, New Day's been doing that for a long time. Uh, I'm about as excited about this feud as I have been about any tag team. Uh, feud in a very long time. Every time I, I understand that you need other teams, and I think the Bud Villains, the Brooklyn Bartenders, have they're a good they're a good team. But every time they come in, I'm just like, oh, actually, you know what? I don't give a shit about this yet. I don't. I want it to be New Day and Enzo and Cass fighting. I don't understand why we've got this four way thing going on. We're forcing teams down my throat. I, I just We talked about it last week. I think there should be, instead of having New Day fight for the titles or you know put the titles on the line at Money in the Bank, they can come out and do a promo, sit in on commentary, and have a tornado tag match between the other three teams. The winner gets to fight them at the next pay-per-view. Uh, the the Villains, it's, just, it's not something I'm interested in, and you have these two massive pops like you talked about. We're starting the show off so hot. And there's a little banter back and forth I think is good. And then once the villains come in, it's just like dead air. You uh, see, Jamie, the problem is you do not appreciate wrestlers from the bygone era. <laughs> and we might lose this Sunday at Money in the Bank, but I will surely keep myself entertained in Williamsburg, Brooklyn by organizing my phonograph records and drinking copious amounts of Pappy Van Winkle. Jim Rats, can you guess what my favorite kind of drink is? <laughs> I think, I think it's a PBR. No! 
it's an old fashioned. Ha 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 ha. Uh, yeah, I don't care about the mud villains, and yes, they will lose this weekend, and no one cares. That's how. I, that's what I take out of this. What did you think about uh, the the trombone segment between uh, Enzo and Xavier Woods? I didn't love that. I mean, look at this. They're trying to be playful. They're trying to be funny. I don't think it necessarily hit like a, a home run, but not everything's going to hit a home run with, between those two. I think it's funny to talk about Francesca like it's like it's Xavier Woods' girlfriend. I mean, you know, I get a little bit of a kick out of that. I don't need it to drag on, uh, and I don't necessarily want to hear about it beyond this week either. Yeah, I feel like the New Day, they just kind of throw a bunch of shit on the wall and just see what sticks. And not everything sticks. I, I, I personally thought it was pretty funny, but it definitely went on for, for a little too long. You know, the the joke was was there, and then they just kind of ran it into the ground pretty quickly. But it seems like Xavier Woods, lo- I, I feel like he is kind of pushing a lot of what their promos are based around, without a doubt, based on watching him on Up, Up, Down, Down, and and his uh, just following him on Twitter. I can tell that he's kind of the architect for their comedy and uh, Biggie and Kofi are definitely really good at playing off of what he's coming up with, but I'm pretty sure that he is by far the architect for for their comedic bits. And some of them are funny, and some of them are just you know they they just they don't stick. They they don't. It, it seems like what he does is he looks for something that's that's popular on Twitter. You know, some kind of meme or some kind of topic like the Chef Curry twos. That was like a big thing on Twitter last week. So of course there's Kofi wearing the, the curry twos, uh, slide into the DMS. He did the thing where, uh, they called, uh, when they had their program with the, the Dudley boys, he did the, the trash promo, which I thought was their worst promo by far was where they did the trash emoji promo against the Dudley boys. That was absolutely awful, but you know, it's, it's hard for them to go wrong when you've got Enzo, and uh, the new day in the ring, you know, their 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 charisma, I think, takes the comedy to new heights. Even if it's like like anyone else doing that bit, it would not have worked at all. And I mean, can you imagine like a different tag team trying to get Bootios over? I mean, what? It's just not even possible. Well, I think you're right. And then the other thing that kind of goes along with that is I've read a lot of people uh, are irritated that there doesn't seem to be any like tension or animosity between Enzo and Cass and the New Day. I don't mind that. I, I don't necessarily need to feel like every single time uh, there's going to be a match, these two people need to hate each other. I, I don't mind it. And I don't really mind them coming out and kind of going back and forth, giving a little comedic banter and getting out of the way. Uh, adding the villains is stupid. And like you said, if shit doesn't, doesn't stick, then just move on from there. I think that's fine. But, I, but some of the stuff as far as like not having enough animosity between the two teams, I, that doesn't that doesn't bother me at all. Do you, do you feel like that's missing or do you feel like that's a missing link? I, feel, I mean, I think that they were trying to create that animosity by talking shit about Francesca the trombone. And so it'll be interesting when there's that moment on Sunday when you have probably Xavier Woods and Enzo face off in the ring for real, because I guess that we didn't get to see that because of the villains or the Brooklyn bartenders interrupting. So the animosity, I would imagine, you know, a face versus 
face rivalry always is interesting, but I think that there will be some way of getting these teams to interact in a competitive fashion. But the the trombone promo definitely didn't do it. I don't think so. So who from the New Day is in the match at Money in the Bank? That's a good question. I would guess it's going to be Big E and Kofi Kingston. And uh, uh, so I guess, yeah, yeah, that's what I would say. I would say Big E and Kofi Kingston. That's usually what they have. And then you've got Xavier Woods there as like the, the cheerleader of the group and doing his thing with the trombone. See, I would normally say that, but I agree with you from the standpoint of like Xavier Woods and Enzo have to, they ha- there has to be a moment between the two of them, right? So right. I would imagine, I'm thinking that Xavier Woods may actually get the nod over Kofi. Yeah, that would be interesting for sure. All right, so next up we had a a backstage segment with Shane McMahon and Stephanie where they kind of did their thing arguing in that awkward way that they've been doing. Their, their, their interactions together just have been driving me crazy the last couple of weeks. I just I don't understand the tension that they're creating. It's just not coming together, in my mind at least. I don't feel like there's any tension. I, I feel like it's just sort of like, they're they're gonna try and coexist like it's an actual thing that they're doing. This is an actual job, and they've got to coexist together. But I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch somebody actually work. The point of of this situation is that there's got to be some serious tension, and I don't necessarily feel that from either of them. Well, it's like last week Stephanie announces that she's gonna run SmackDown. Then this week it's mm-hmm. oh no, here's Shane. He's gonna run SmackDown. Never mind. Uh, it literally feels to me like they have no idea, even this close to the brand split, what they're doing. They're just writing it week to week. I totally agree with that. What did you think of Kane coming in with uh, as corporate Kane? Which, God, I'm, I didn't like that at first, but as soon as he brought out the resume and the letter of recommendation written from The Undertaker, I thought that was absolutely hysterical. Uh, I think that the character of corporate Kane is, is good, especially for where he is in his career. Like, the Demon Kane is not somebody that, I mean, that, that shouldn't be a character anymore. Uh, it's, it's gone on too long and he doesn't have that same aura as obviously the undertaker or anything like that. The problem is I don't want to follow the corporate thing anymore. I don't want that to be a part of the storyline at all. Um, so corporate came being involved in that, it makes it feel like we're just re, uh, reincarnating that whole storyline. I'm not interested in that, uh, especially this close to a damn money in the bank. Do not put Kane in the Money in the Bank ladder <laughs> match. I, no one needs to see that anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's not happening. That's definitely not happening. <laughs> what did you think about the segment where Titus O'Neil came to the ring and then Rusev just came out and attacked him? Because that was next, and then uh, so they have a match at Money in the Bank. Yeah, I think that, that what you saw on Raw is pretty much what the match at Money in the Bank is going to look like. Absolutely. Titus O'Neil's going to come out. Rusev's going to kick the crap out of him. It's going to be... Three and a half minutes, and we'll see Titus and O'Neill in another four and a half months. Yeah, it's it's an absolute shame. Do you think it's somehow related to like a punishment for him grabbing Vince McMahon's arm at Daniel Bryan's retirement? You can't put anything past Vince, so maybe. Uh, I think the WWE like likes Titus, and they need more uh, wrestlers of color. Uh, so I think that they like want him to be somebody that that they're interested in he seems like an all-around good dude it just uh i don't know i mean this is not a situation where he's gonna look good in any way yeah yeah rusev is definitely gonna beat the shit out of him that's for sure 
after that, we had the Ambrose Asylum guest spot where uh, we saw the Shield in the ring for the first time together. I thought this was a really, really solid segment that really, really shows how they have money just sitting in the ring. A lot of money. If they can do this right, if they can do this correctly and not fuck this up, we're going to have one of the greatest rivalries that the WWE has ever seen. Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and Dean Ambrose are all ridiculously talented in their own ways. And despite all the criticism that Roman Reigns has received over the last year and a half, it's going to be an amazing match. Ambrose did a really good job kind of playing off the tension here. It was great to see him actually give Reigns a Dirty Deeds at the end of the segment. And I thought the crowd reaction to that was pretty lame, considering how that's really the first time, at least that I can think of, I think that's the first time that he's really taken it to Reigns in that sense. I, I know that they've had like a couple of awkward standoffs when they've been in matches together, but that, that was the first moment where Ambrose was essentially like, watch your back. Like, this is every man for himself, and I'm coming for you. And, uh, yeah, that was that was just a really cool segment. What did you think about the segment? I think it's a great segment. I think having those three in the ring, just period, is gold. I mean, that's just such a good, such a good storyline, uh, and there's intrigue there. Seth Rollins makes everything uh, a lot better and a lot more interesting, whether it's his matches, his promos. Like, I'm interested in Roman Reigns because Seth Rollins is – is involved in right. in a in a match with him. Like that's the only real reason I have any interest in Roman Reigns. Uh, I might get some heat for this. I didn't love Dean Ambrose in this segment. Oh, I, I don't mind when they started fighting, but like the commentary and him leading the the interview, if you will. Yeah. I thought it came across like a little childish, and I don't know. They're just it didn't it it didn't drive home the the tension, animosity, the importance of this match like I think it could have. And it wasn't until the end where I really felt like, oh, Dean actually is a part of this storyline and I need to be interested in it. it. I've always wanted Dean to be a part of the storyline, but it wasn't until the very end where I was like, oh, maybe he is. I would have liked to, like, right off the bat, have him be an active participant in, okay, you guys are, have this match. I want to let you know that if I get it, if I win this match at Money in the Bank, I'm coming for you. The next person you see is me. I wanted, I wanted that to start it off so there's immediate tension between the three of them instead of waiting to the end. And the other thing is, he, okay, so he says, what if I win the Money in the Bank and then I cash it in that same night? So he has to win this match, right? He has to. He has to win. He has to. What, what's the point of the rest of the things that have happened if he does not win this match, he has to win. <laughs> he has to win. Okay. There's no other. There's no other answer. All right. Yeah. If if once he once, once he said that, like that's the reason I'm watching the pay per view to see a who wins, what the, the match looks like between Rollins and Reigns, and then b is he going to cash in at the end of the night? Like that's what I, I want to see. That I don't think he will. We'll talk more about this. I know. Yeah, we'll definitely like, do predictions. He has to win. Yeah, he he has to win, and that's that's all I have to say about the Ambrose Asylum. I I I definitely agree with you in a lot of ways about Ambrose's character. It's very interesting how they've booked him sometimes as this like joke, complete jokester, 
and other times he's been this unhinged kind of Mick Foley-ish character. He's been bouncing between these this 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 dichotomy, and it's it's very strange. But at the same time, I kind of like it. I mean, I thought him like egging uh, Rollins on, like like kind of massaging his shoulder, trying to get him to 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 crack a smile, was pretty funny. The Ambrose character needs a lot of work, and if they can somehow, you know, if they don't fuck it up and they have him win the briefcase, that will be the absolute best thing for Dean Ambrose. That's for sure as a character. All right. So after that, we had Paige and Charlotte go at it in the ring. Paige picked up a win. Yeah, Paige picked up a win. Finally, excitement. I mean, I, I don't care. Uh, I have no interest <laughs> in this. Uh, wow. Page one, and it's a non-title match, and la-di-da. Uh, WWE keeps talking about a Divas revolution. Does anyone give a shit? Uh, I think only the people who are behind the curtain that are actual WWE Divas care about what's happening. I'm not one of those people. I think we've spent enough time on this. Do you think that, like, I have no idea where this group of wrestlers, where they're going. You know where they're going? They're going to SmackDown. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've got to be bringing Sasha Banks back for SummerSlam, right? I mean, that's that's the match that they're going for. Sasha Banks and Charlotte? I would think so. Uh, but I've I've also read that there's a lot of uh, concern about Sasha Banks and her potential for injury and her right. injury history. And, you know, they don't know necessarily what they want to do with that. I mean, I don't know. This has been the most, like, Mainly down, a couple of ups here and there. Just such a lackluster attempt at gaining intrigue uh, in a, in the women's division. Yeah, since they dumped Ric Flair, it, this storyline has gone absolutely nowhere. It was nice to see How Paige sad in is the that, ring. too? Very sad. How sad is it that, like, it, that not only did they need Ric Flair to, to draw interest in it, but they actually needed him to stick around. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, I like Charlotte. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that happened in NXT that, you know, I was interested in. I thought that, that this could be an, uh, a pretty cool thing up on the WWE main roster, but it just hasn't amounted to anything, and it's not something that I'm interested in at all. Yeah, it, it is a shame that as soon as they dumped Ric Flair, I, they, they dumped Ric Flair so they could build Charlotte up on her own, even though they immediately gave Dana Brooke, uh, you know, a partnership with her. But I think that works out for Dana as well. They've really got to do some work for these storylines moving into SummerSlam, that's for sure. All right, Sheamus versus Zack Ryder. Sheamus beat the shit out of Zack Ryder with a broke kick. And then Apollo Crews came down for the save. And we, we've we we've got this match now, whether the the, the, pe- the people wanted it or not. We've got Sheamus and Apollo Crews at Money in the Bank. I think this could be an interesting matchup. I like Apollo Crews a lot. He's got a lot of potential. They haven't done shit for his character since he debuted. But having him go up against Sheamus, you know, this veteran, this bully, I think is going to be a a good thing, potentially. It'll be interesting to see what reaction Apollo Crews gets on Sunday. Most likely nothing, because why should anyone watching care about Apollo Crews? I mean, they've done less character work on, on Apollo Crews than they did with Neville before Neville got injured and Neville was getting, you know, outrageous reactions with, with almost no character development. So maybe he can pull off a couple of athletic moves, a couple of cool spots, get the crowd into it. Cause the crowd certainly, you know, Seamus has done a good job since his uh, return as a heel. So what do you think about that? Do you think that Seamus and Apollo Cruz can, you know, can, can Seamus bring Apollo Cruz some, 
some attention? I think if they did anything from a booking standpoint uh, to put them in a in a, a position where either one of them could be successful, I think that this could be a really awesome match. I mean, these are two beasts. Like, I think that there's a lot to be said for the match as a whole. However, the booking has just been lazy. I mean, yeah. like you said, they haven't they've done nothing to actually draw any interest uh, in Apollo Cruz's character. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, this guy, he's an awesome. This would be awesome, him and Sheamus against each other. Uh, I think it's hysterical that Zack Ryder even came out. This is another one of those, like, oh, Zack Ryder's here. That's great. Remember when he won a, a, a friggin' title at WrestleMania? That yeah. was stupid. <laughs> um, and then uh, Sheamus beats the crap out of him. I think as a, as a match, it could be really cool between Sheamus and Apollo Crews. I just... The WWE hasn't hasn't invested anything in it. I was excited about you know how Sheamus' character came back as a heel. I was excited about the possibility of the League of Nations when that started. Obviously, that tanked massively pretty quickly. Uh, but then once that was over, there's no reason to be invested in Sheamus' character right now or what he's doing with Apollo Crews or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm interested to see which way they go because... Really, WWE hasn't spent much time trying to work on either of these guys uh, to make them get over as uh, as characters. All right, so on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a the Brian Christopher pop and a 10 being a, a Stone Cold pop, what do you think Apollo Crews will get by the end of the match against Sheamus on Sunday? Huh. I think he, I think he might get a Funaki pop. <laughs> The, the 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 dreaded Funaki pop. So what's that like a point five or so? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm 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 gonna I'm hoping that he's somewhere in that in that four to five range, and that, that that he can come out of this match with a little bit of momentum heading into the brand split because Apollo Cruz is awesome. They just have to give him more time, just like they have to do with any of the characters where they they show up and nobody really gives a shit. There's a very simple reason why people don't give a shit. It's not because they're not talented. It's because they're just simply not given the time, and if they give Apollo Crews time, I think that he's going to, you know, only only go up. That's for sure. He 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 certainly has a mid card ceiling. I feel like, like I don't imagine Apollo Crews t- taking over the main event scene anytime soon. But but he could be Neville. He could be, you know, a a, a true mid card champion very soon. Um, and and I would love to see it because he because he can really go in the ring. That's for sure. In all seriousness, if Savio Vega came back, <laughs> and keeping in mind that like the average WWE fan probably is way too young to have any idea who Savio Vega is, do you think Savio Vega gets a bigger pop than Apollo Crews? <laughs> probably not, honestly. I would really like to think no. <laughs> There's a few people online that that I know that might mark out pretty hard, but but in general, I think most people would just kind of be like... <laughs> Huh? All right. So for the last <laughs> the last hour of Raw, we had a series of matches with the Money in the Bank participants. We had Sami Zayn versus Cesaro, pretty solid back and forth match. Sami Zayn picks up the win. We had the Lucha Dragons versus Alberto Del Rio and Kevin Owens. Alberto Del Rio and Kevin Owens picked up the wins, of course. And then we had Jericho go against Dean Ambrose again. And then of course we had the turmoil 
at the end of that match, which was actually pretty hysterical watching uh, Alberto Del Rio hit the ring <laughs> or hit the bell at the end of the match. That just cracked me up for some reason. The commentary was gold. Basically, it was all setting up the 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 interactions between these guys at Money in the Bank. Um, what did you take from that last hour where we basically had all of these guys going at it? Uh, I get it out of that that I'm actually excited about this match. I think obviously any you know ladder match or anything is typically a spot fest, um, but these guys are all wrestlers and characters that I'm relatively interested in. Um, even Alberto Del Rio, like I, I've always wanted to like Alberto Del Rio, and a lot of people are big fans. I'm not a huge fan, but but he's I mean he's pretty stiff. I think I think that, that this will be uh, a really really good ladder match or money in the bank match. Um, not, these things very rarely flop, but with Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Cesaro, I mean, it, Dean Ambrose, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine that this doesn't absolutely uh, kill it. So, I mean, I think that this is going to be a really cool match. Do I need to see Chris Jericho uh, versus Dean Ambrose ever again? No, no, I think we've, we've run the bell on that. Like it's, we're done. Um, the Lucha, Lucha Libras, well, I don't know what all of a sudden they're involved in. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that that needed to happen. Um, but I think, you know, overall it gets me intrigued about the match. Uh, I, I can't see how Dean Ambrose doesn't win, but either way, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it'll be a, a great match to watch. Yeah, I completely forgot to bring up in there the contract signing. John Cena and AJ Styles. That was a lot of character development for AJ. It sets up a match on Sunday where the club will not be involved, quote, unquote, end quote. This was just, I'm absolutely loving AJ Styles' turn as a heel. He's he's just been absolutely crushing it on the microphone since he turned heel. He was all, already crushing it in the ring, but man, his heel work on the mic has just been fabulous. And the, and Cena himself as well has, has just been kicking ass. I thought that they both did a really good job selling the importance of this match. And if they are given the right amount of time and this actually goes to a clean finish, there's nothing screwy at the end, becomes like a 45-minute match, this could be an easy match of the year contender. I cannot wait for this match. AJ Styles may wrestle circles around Cena in the ring, but based on Cena's work rate over the before he got injured and he was the United States champion, he showed that he's really improved as an as a legitimate wrestler, and I think they're going to go all out putting on a show for the fans, and I don't think that their feud is going to end with this match hopefully, even with SummerSlam right around the corner, they could easily pull Cena in some other direction and pull AJ and the club in some other direction, you know, with the Wyatts coming back, who, who knows what's going to happen there with Brock Lesnar coming back, who knows where they're going with him. But this is a match that I certainly dreamed about many, many years ago. It's 15 years in the making. It's legitimate. It's not bullshit. This is going to be an incredible match. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, pretty much you hit the nail on the head. This is going to be an awesome, awesome match. Uh, AJ Styles, I, you know, I followed AJ Styles. I watched a bunch of his TNA stuff. I saw a little bit of his New Japan stuff. You know, I knew he was an awesome wrestler. I think his 
Shtick was kind of always great wrestler, not so not so great on the mic. I thought he I thought he killed it during this segment. I thought he's I think he's killed it pretty much since he's come to WWE. John Cena tends to bring some of the best mic work out of people, and you know, there's no question that Cena is as good as just about anybody as as far as being on the mic is concerned. Uh, AJ Styles is as good as just about anybody inside the ring. And these are two vets that, from a wrestling standpoint, are really kind of in the prime of their career. You know, I mean, you've, I think you look at, like, Shawn Michaels, some of his best work was when he was, like, 38 to, like, 41. Some of those feuds with Cena and stuff like that. I mean, there was a lot uh, that, that he brought to the table later on in his career. These guys, you know, being in their late 30s, uh, I think, to me, uh, this has a, a chance to certainly go beyond just this match. Um, I'm interested to see what the involvement between this match and the club is. I can't imagine that they aren't involved in some way. And I think that that's a good thing to some degree because I think that that continues the feud. And I hope that it continues into SummerSlam. It's funny that you bring up Shawn Michaels. I was going to actually ask you this. A lot of really positive comments online by some some pretty significant names people that some people that everyone's heard of before a, a guy named uh stone cold steve austin this week said that aj styles absolutely carried roman reigns through their matches and that he absolutely deserves the spot where roman reigns is right now kurt angle said this week that aj styles is just as good in the ring as hbk I mean, I see a, com- I definitely see a comparison, dude. I'm hard pressed. Look, he's great. You've also got to, got to think about like the eras. AJ Styles had the opportunity to watch and learn from HBK. HBK came up with the shit that that Styles is doing and that other people are doing on his own, well before anybody else was even close. Uh, to say it would be awesome to see an AJ Styles HBK match. Even today, uh, that would be an understatement. I think it'd be amazing. Uh, I think that if nothing else, those are tremendous comparisons for a guy like AJ Styles, who's been in WWE now for a couple of months, and it took him really his entire career to get to that point. He's 38 years old. He could easily spend at least five to seven years doing his thing in a WWE ring, and if that can happen. He may have a couple of those WrestleMania moments, a couple of those SummerSlam moments, a couple more five-star matches to his to his name, and then we'll. Yeah, I think that that's a, a a topic of conversation at a later date. But I cannot wait for this matchup. All right. So before we get into Money in the Bank predictions, let's go ahead and start a feature, a weekly feature, a two-part weekly feature, the Smarky Heartache Moment of the Week, and the Marky Markout moment of the week these being the biggest raw complaint of the week and the biggest raw compliment of the week so let's start with the smarky heartache moment of the week this would be your biggest raw complaint let loose what was your biggest raw complaint of the week uh i don't know why the lucha libras are involved in the money in the bank ladder match you have six guys who are in this this ladder match that we are trying to build and somehow we're going to throw the lucha libras into it i have no interest in that it doesn't make any sense to me that 
you're taking like the main of what should be really the main event of this pay-per-view, the money in the bank. This is your match. This is your self-titled match. Uh, and you're involving somebody or a tag team that has no involvement and I couldn't care less about. So that is to me, the least impressive, uh, and worst moment of a lot. I think I'm going to go with the interaction between Shane and Stephanie. Uh, this is consistently one of the weirder, more awkward moments. I mean, I have absolutely no idea what they're doing with either character. I know that Shane is supposed to be a face. Obviously, Stephanie is a face right now, kind of. She's foreshadowed that she might not necessarily be a face, but they're they're bickering. It's just not a good look for Raw right now. And uh, this week was particularly bad because, like I said earlier, it makes the booking look like they are literally writing their interactions together the moment before Raw starts. So hopefully they can figure that out because... If something doesn't happen soon with that, it's just going to continue becoming the worst part of Raw every week. So that's the Smarky Heartache moment of the week. Now it's time for the Marky Markout moment of the week. What was your favorite thing about Raw this week? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try not to take yours because I imagine that yours may be the AJ Cena one. So if it's not, that would, would be my 1A or 1B. Uh, but I think my 1A is Dean Ambrose hitting Dirty Deeds on Roman Reigns, yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, to me, especially as uh, you know, a fan who's seen this group grow and get into the ring uh, uh, together, and it, and now starting to be against each other, uh, to finally see, you know, the last two members of the Shield who haven't necessarily gone against each other uh, actually have, you know, a physical altercation. Uh, I thought that was really cool. I. I I, you talked about it earlier. The pop wasn't there that I thought probably should be there. Um, from an audience perspective, I don't necessarily know if they like really appreciated how long we've, we've waited for, for something like that to happen. Um, but I thought that was really cool. Yeah, you were right. <laughs> I'm picking AJ and Cena. Particularly, <laughs> particularly the moment where AJ casually said at the end, you, with your... Kmart shopping ass. I thought that was absolutely awesome. And one of the greatest lines against Cena I've ever heard. I loved it. Not that there's anything wrong with shopping it at Kmart, but good God, that was a great line. And that was my favorite part of Raw, without a doubt. Not the, the whole interaction and then just the way it ended. AJ got the leg up there and that was great. All right, now let's talk Money in the Bank predictions. So we've got eight matches on the card. Uh, most likely that's not going to change. So let's go ahead and talk about the, the strangest one. That has received absolutely no build whatsoever. They just kind of threw it on there like they've done for the last couple of months. On the pre-show, we've got Dolph Ziggler versus Baron Corbin. The lone wolf. <laughs> so that's that's uh, still that's the, still happening. <laughs> this is going to be... Uh, I don't think that at the end of the year, if there's a, an award, a slammy for pre-show match of the year, I don't think it's going to be even possible to give it to anyone other than Dolph Ziggler and Baron <laughs> Corbin, because this is the only pre-show match that they offer. <laughs> yeah. This feud, what is, so, what is the deal uh, with this feud? I mean, Baron Corbin's going to pick up the win most likely just to make him look, you know, like he can hang with Ziggler. I mean, they've kind of traded wins over the last few weeks, but good God, <laughs> like I feel so bad for both of these wrestlers. <laughs> 
Yeah, I feel really bad for Dolph Ziggler. I don't feel quite as bad for Baron Corbin because I feel like when this feud ends in 2018 or whatever, uh, that maybe he has a little bit more uh, of an upside from uh, WWE's standpoint. So, yeah, I think I think uh, Corbin gets the win. The Lone Wolf survives, and hopefully we move far beyond this feud. Yeah, I'm going to go with Corbin as well. And maybe in the next match, they'll set up a hair versus hair match. Corbin <laughs> will lose and then have to shave that hideous receding hairline he's got going on. He's got to embrace the baldness. You know what else WWE should do is instead of having like a hair versus hair match, they should they should have a dry hair match where like all members of the Shield fight, and whoever loses, they have they get a blow dryer out and they dry their hair, <laughs> and then we all get to see what it looks like when it's not soaking wet. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's that would be a good gimmick match. Yeah, I, I can see what that I, extreme what rules. Just walked, what if I just walked around with soaking wet hair all the time? <laughs> Nobody does that. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's, it's totally cool. It's got to be weird to see them in gorilla. Like someone's job at WWE is to stock the water bottles in gorilla positions so that you know the 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 Bo Dallas's and the Seth Rollins, and yeah, anyone with long hair basically can do their. Uh, it must like it, there has to be some reason. If it's wet, it's not going to get in your face. It, you don't have to like tie it behind your head. I, I'm sure that that's a, there's a functional reason there, but yeah, it definitely looks odd. Everyone coming out looking like they just stepped out of the shower every single week. Okay, so the second match, we've got Apollo Crews versus Sheamus. Who do you got in this match? Flip a coin. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 think, I think actually Sheamus is going to win this, and then they'll have another match, and Apollo will win that, and they'll go back and forth for a little while, and eventually it'll end up on the pre-show. That yeah, I can I can see that I can see it ending up on the pre-show for sure in a quick you know seven to eight minute match. But I'm gonna go with Apollo Cruz on this one. I think that uh, it's not gonna make Sheamus look bad. There's gonna be some sort of you know the veteran gets bested by the 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 rookie moment. But I think Apollo Cruz will hit his finisher. I think that he'll surprise Sheamus, and I think that he'll pick up the win. But yeah, flip a coin is a good way to put this match. That's for sure. All right, next we've got Rusev and Lana. Versus Titus O'Neil. You've already described exactly what's going to happen. So so why don't you provide us with a description again. What's going to happen in this match? Titus O'Neil will walk out to the ring. Rusev will walk out behind him. He will beat the shit out of him for upwards of 45 seconds. Put him in his finisher. And Titus will tap out within within three and a half minutes. <laughs> Ooh. I th- I'm definitely going with Rusev. Rusev's the man. I'm very excited that he's the United States champion again. And I agree he's going to win. I don't know if it'll repeat the segment from Raw, but it'll be a short, quick match that makes him look strong. All right, Charlotte and Dana Brooke versus Natty and Becky Lynch. Obviously, Natty and Becky Lynch win this one because the title is not up for grabs. I think this this is how WWE has booked pretty much all women's matches for the last umpteen years, it feels like. Uh, if the title is not up for grabs, the champion will lose. I don't think Charlotte gets pinned, but the team loses. I think that something screwy is going to happen in this match. Some sort of outside interference. I think there's a chance that Natty turns on Becky, setting up a Natty and Becky feud uh, with Natty playing the heel and Becky Lynch playing the uh, 
the baby face once again. I'm going to go with Natty and Becky on this one. Um, even even in a win, I think something screwy is going to happen at the end. We'll see, though. In the Fatal 4-Way Tag Team Match for the WWE Tag Team Championships, we've got the New Day versus the Club versus Enzo and Big Cass versus the Brooklyn Bartenders. Who do you got in this match? Oh, this is hard. I want, I want Enzo and Cass to pull this out. I am hoping what happens is New Day retains... But they slip away. It looked like looks like uh, Enzo and Cass are gonna win or should win. Somehow, New Day pulls it away, sets up Enzo and Cass versus New Day as a their their own teams fighting against each other. Nobody else involved. Yeah, that that would be a good finish. Uh, there, the New Day is one month away from the record. And I think that the WWE is giving it to them. I think that they're going to be the longest reigning champions of all time. Um, so I can't, I just, I don't see them not retaining the titles here. I think that there'll be some good, it'll be a good back and forth action between the, the, the four teams. There'll be a lot of good spots in this match for sure. I think that Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows hopefully will be able to to exhibit some of their, their skills in the ring because they're not necessarily the greatest with the microphone, but... They, they they do have a as as JBL did a good job this week pointing out. I mean they're they're a highly decorated tag team and they haven't really had too many opportunities to show it. And when they did, they you know the they haven't been built as very credible competitors yet. I think this match will do. Hopefully, if they're given enough time, that's my biggest worry is that this match will not get enough time to to have the Vaude villains get a couple of good spots in there or. Uh, even Enzo and Big Cass, just 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 all of them really. Um, this this could be one of those matches that that originally has been penned for or penciled for fifteen to twenty minutes and ends up with you know twelve to thirteen if 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 it if it doesn't go right. Hopefully it gets thirty and then everybody gets some offense in there, looks good, and the new day retain most likely with a pen against the Vaude villains. But we'll see. I'm going with the new day retaining for sure. AJ Styles versus John Cena. The club is banned from ringside. Oh god, I'm so excited about this. I got to go with AJ. Uh I just think I and I said this last week, I to me it, it the way that the Kevin Owens feud played out is with Cena is pretty similar to how this is going to play out. I think somehow AJ gets a win. It's going to be surprising. It's obviously both of the both of them are going to look really good. Um but I think AJ gets a win, and I think we continue this. I, I also am hard-pressed to imagine that there isn't some outside interference or something screwy happens, whether it's the club coming down or whatever. I'm not sure. But I, I think AJ pulls out the victory in this. I think then they have they end up having about three matches. Cena wins two out of three. I really hope that they head that direction. Um, I really hope that this feud continues past money in the bank but with SummerSlam coming I just don't I think they're going to go in a different direction I think John Cena wins this match I think it goes 40 <laughs> yeah he's going to get booed that's for sure I think it goes 40 minutes or more it becomes an instant classic John Cena pulls the you have my respect card goes for the handshake at the end and then that's when you might see something like the club come out and and take down John Cena which would most likely continue this feud 
But with with SummerSlam around the corner, I just don't know if if John Cena and AJ Styles is where the company's heading. I think that you've got Brock Lesnar, you've got Finn Balor, like you brought up last week. You've got a bunch of people coming back from from injuries. The Wyatt family. I could see a Wyatt family uh, face Wyatt family versus heel AJ Styles and the club at SummerSlam. That would be a cool match, but I just don't know. The WWE has such a... You brought up Kevin Owens winning. That was such a great book to have Owens go over top of John Cena on their first match. That was just brilliant. I just don't see them doing this with AJ Styles. I think John Cena just came back from injury. He's... he's it's John the the guy just spoke for two minutes and forty five seconds in Mandarin Chinese. The guy is is unbelievable for the company. He's their most credible star. He's still yes, he's on the the I don't want to say the twilight of his career, but I just cannot see Vince McMahon booking AJ Styles to win this match. I think John Cena takes the, the victory and hopefully their feud continues. But We'll see. John Cena picks up the the win regardless. Kevin Owens versus Cesaro versus Sami Zayn versus Chris Jericho versus Dean Ambrose versus Alberto Del Rio in the Money of the Bank ladder match for the contract. Who's grabbing that briefcase? We We talked about this earlier. I don't see, especially after the promo this week, how it would be possible to go any other direction other than Dean Ambrose. I mean, of course, the Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins feud will continue beyond Money in the Bank. Of course, it'll continue into SummerSlam. You have to get Dean Ambrose involved in this somehow. I mean, it just, it has to happen. So I think my pick is definitely Dean Ambrose. If for whatever reason they don't go with Dean Ambrose... I'm going to stick with Cesaro as my dark horse. Okay, so your pick is Dean Ambrose and your dark horse it is would, Cesaro. It would shock me if they didn't go with Dean Ambrose. But if Dean Ambrose does not win, it'll be Cesaro. I like that. Uh, yeah, I can't really add anything onto what you just said. I totally agree. Dean Ambrose has to win this match. Absolutely has to win this match. Not only can I picture, I can totally picture him carrying that briefcase around, acting all crazy with it, disrespecting it in the same way that uh, he might do with the title belt, um, just just being reckless and, and crazy with it. I can totally see it being banged up, kind of like when... um, Who was it that had the briefcase when it was all dinged up and looked like... Was it, <laughs> was, it was that when... Uh, Did Dolph have it like that? It was either Dolph or... Um, RBD had it all messed up too, I feel like. Well, remember when... Uh, Damian Sandow had it and uh, Cody Rhodes and him were feuding and it got thrown into the river and it was all banged up and <laughs> just looked like it was wet all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the briefcase has had, had long stretches throughout the years where it's the same one that they carry every single week. And this has been like a recurring theme where it gets, you know, bumps and bruises along the way. And I, I, I can see that with Dean Ambrose. I do not think he will cash it in. He will. His music will come on regardless of who wins. Oh God! At the end of that match, and you know he's going to be. 
I hate well, that spot. I hate that spot so much. It's so played <laughs> out. It's just like the, the, Oh, he runs down to the ring. He gets in there, but Oh, there's the ref isn't in there at time in time. And then the, everybody's hitting their finishers. It just doesn't happen this week, but Oh, the threat is there. I just, ah, I can't stand that spot. They got to They got to move on there. Dean Ambrose wins. My dark horse is Alberto Del Rio. Oh, oh. I will be very upset if Dean Ambrose doesn't win, but, but I just can't see. I think Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn will continue their feud into SummerSlam. Cesaro, I have a feeling they're going to put into a program with The Miz when uh, he makes his return for SummerSlam. Chris Jericho, I can see uh, Apollo Apollo Crews beating uh, Sheamus and then going into a program with Chris Jericho, kind of like some veterans helping him along the way. Alberto Del Rio, not really sure what he does after this match if he doesn't win, um, but they'll find something for him to do, that's for sure. Dean Ambrose has to win this match, though. Dean Ambrose has to win this match. After this, we've got that. That leaves us with the Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins match. It's a singles match for the World Heavyweight Championship. Who do you think walks out the champion at the end of Money in the Bank? It's a tough one. This is a really, really tough one because the WWE clearly loves both of these guys. They've been trying to force Roman Reigns down everybody's throat for about two years. They gave, I mean, Seth did have the company on his back for the better part of a year. He's worked his ass off. He's back. I can't imagine he's anything less than 100%. I think Roman Reigns wins. I agree. I think that, that it would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't necessarily hate to say it, but I don't like to say it. <laughs> Roman Reigns is going to win this match. He's walking out the champion. I want Seth Rollins to win, but I do think that Roman Reigns will hold it. He's the guy. He's not just a guy. He's the guy. <laughs> He'll tell you about it, too. Yeah, Roman Reigns is walking out of the champion, that's for sure. Do you think there's any chance that uh, Dean Ambrose cashes in, like legitimately cashes in, and Dean Ambrose walks out champion that night just to really kind of put a a kink in the hose, so to speak? I, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to believe that unless, like, the Money in the Bank match is first. Because, like, keeping kayfabe, like, how is he going to be in a Money in the Bank match? I mean, there's going to be tons of spots. He's got to at least... He's, there's going to be spots where he's he's got to act like he's he's hurt. Oh, absolutely. So, so how are you going to say like two and a half hours later at the most, he's going to be ready to come down and hit a dirty deeds on somebody? You know, could it happen? I'd say it's less less than eight percent chance that it happens. If it does happen, that gives you an easy chance for both Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns to claim a rematch and then that sets up the triple threat at SummerSlam, which by all accounts, that's where they're heading. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's more than an 8% chance. I, I, this could be closer to a, a 25% chance in my mind. Uh, I can see it. I, I will, I will love it. I will, I will mark out harder than I've marked out in a long time. If it actually happens. All right. That brings the end of our discussion of money in the bank and our predictions. We'll see how things turn out next week. We're at the end of our episode two of the Marky Markout show, so you know what that means. It's time for promo of the week. <laughs> Today, Jim Rat, you're gonna cut a promo 
on why we should give a shit about the divas. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review. You can find me on Twitter at Donnie Marks Out. You can find the gym rat at JC Moynihan15. We are the Marky Markout Show. And as we fade out, here's the gym rat giving a promo on why we should give a shit about the divas. We'll see you next week. The divas revolution is in full effect. And we are ready to take over the world of professional wrestling. Stephanie McMahon is leading the charge. And we've got champs galore. We've got Charlotte leading the way. And there are others to come. Bailey is in the mainstream. She's going to be coming. And we are the most athletic, the most agile, the most talented WWE Divas of all time. The revolution reigns supreme.